Hi, my name is Ian Parry and welcome to What the Future, the podcast produced by Future Leaders Mentoring. Today we're chatting with Alison Bain in one of our special podcast series on Leaders Life Stories. Hi Alison, good morning. Hi there Ian, how are you? Yeah, I'm really good, really good. Um, looking forward to, to this one today. Um, I've obviously done a little bit of LinkedIn stalking of you and can see um, an incredible career um, so far and some really uh, fascinating roles that I really hope that we, we can we can get into for our future leaders. Um, so jumping straight into it then, um, tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what your role is today. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I'm Alison Bain. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at Mid-Counties Co-op. Um, I've been there for nearly two years and I'm the first CMO that the Mid-Counties Co-op have hired and I'm here to try and build the brand and strengthen membership um, in the organisation. Wow, uh, that that's that blows me away a little bit actually. That that you're the first CMO that they've ever had, given given that the strength of the co-op brand. Um, yes. Why do you think that was? How how did that come about? Um, I think it's more to do with where the organization wanted to go. I think yeah. historically um, it had a range of services that were um, very clear. They had food and travel and childcare. And these were very clear services. But now what we're trying to do is to group those services together and tell a different story. I also think that the co-op story is a story that has been around for a long time. Mm. Um, and I think there's a new generation of people that the co-op ethics and principles would speak to. Yes. But I think we need to bring that story up to date and make it much more relevant for, for people today, especially the younger generation. Yeah, no, I see that. Um, absolutely. So jumping on then, um, or jumping back rather, um, can you can you tell us what your sort of first memory is growing up and, and just I'd just like to get to know you a bit more through through yeah. that question, please. It's a bit weird when I when I did what a great question for a start. Um, <laughs> when I thought about this, what came to mind was my first day at school. And um, it was going to school on an army bus. Um, and it was a school bus that was equipped with an armed guard with a rifle. And the reason why that was the case is my dad was in the forces and I was um, living in Aden, which is now the Yemen. Yeah. Um, at that time, my father was posted abroad and we were living out in Aden during a really troubled time in the region. And that's where I started my school, um, my school life. Um, and every day forward and back from school, we got on the bus and there was a, an armed soldier to escort us home. Wow. I mean, obviously, people can't see my face at this moment, but certainly my eyes were widened then. Um, do you, when you look back at, at that memory, do you do you remember being like bothered at all? There was a there was a man with a gun on your bus, or did it just seem this is just it's okay? Well, it was. Yeah. Um, I think kids are very resilient, and um, you know, this is sort of how things were. My my, you know, my whole upbringing was in the army. My father um had a gun in the house you know there was it, it, it was just how things were and I think kids mm. just accept how things are I do remember hiding under a table when a bomb was going off um and I you know and I think that some of those things shape you as a person and mm. moving around home um, we moved home every two years I moved schools every two years 
but that shapes you, I think, as a person. And um, yeah, I, 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 did I think it was weird or unusual? No, it was just my life. Yeah. Wow. So, so I, uh, not not in the same way at all, but certainly uh, uh, more later in life, I've moved around a lot with work. Um, so quite often, I have to think where home is. Yeah. Actually, do you do you? Do you know where home is? Do you have a feeling of where home is for yourself? Yeah. My mum always said that home was where the people are. And yeah. um, at the minute, I have two homes. I live in Warwick and I live in London. Um, I moved up to Warwick to, to join the co-op. Mm-hmm. And um, I have had up until now, my career has been in London primarily, apart from three years when I was in San Francisco. Um, so I think home is where the people are. And um, I'm less about um, things that sort of situate you in a place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more about who you're with and what your mindset is. And I try to be wherever I am, wherever home is, just be very present and in the moment. Yeah, that's a really good bit of advice, actually. Um, so thinking, thinking about adding all of this together then and the journey that you've been on, can you, can you help us and, and add to the journey because obviously you are you know you've been across the globe you've experienced some things that, that some others might not have and certainly shaped who you are um just tell us about the journey to your current role and and you know a little bit about how you got there and, and just share what you can if you wouldn't mind okay thank you um well it was a sort of a um a journey of opportunistic uh, moments I don't I don't think as I reflect back over my 30 odd years of doing this, that it was particularly well planned. Um, as you know, I was up in um, Germany and um, I didn't actually come to the UK until I, I went to university. I studied biology for my sins um, because it was my best day level. Um, and I didn't have a very good worldview of commerce and business. So you know, I just went in to, to, to study what I was sort of good at. Um, I think halfway through my um, university course, I realized that I didn't want to do biology as a career and wear an A-line lab coat every day of the week. Um, and I was going out with a guy at the time who was talking about weird things like marketing and advertising. And he was doing what was then called, I'm not sure if it's the case anymore, the milk round. And he was being interviewed as a potential graduate for big companies. And he desperately wanted to work at a, a company called Ogilvy and Mather, which I'd never heard of. Um, and spookily enough and amusingly enough, I ended up working at Ogilvy many years later. Um, <laughs> but I lost contact with him at that time. So I, I, I realized that I didn't want to do biology. And so I, I went out into the job market, not really very well prepared. Um, and it was during the recession of the 80s as well. So it was tough. I spent six months signing on um, in Neesden for my sins. Um, and um, I ended up working in a recruitment consultant, first of all. That was my first job. And it was a really good start to my career in that the, um, I was working with some amazing women. It was a, a, it's an industry that is very supportive of women and there's a lot of women working in it. So I sort of entered into a role where there were strong women as role models. 
Um, and it was great because I could learn about the jobs that people did, everything from office manager to CFO, et cetera, et cetera. Did that for a couple of years. And then I went and, um, into a very different environment and I joined a company called Overdrive Fuel Cards. And they sold fuel expense management systems. Okay, yeah, into, know, yeah. yeah, into uh, big fleets. Yes. And my job was business development manager. And as a young woman in her early 20s, I would walk into a room and all my clients were men in their mid to late um, uh, stage of their working careers. And they were CFOs or finance officers or something like that. So that was interesting um, because it was a bit of a a shock because you had to really um, engage with the situation Sometimes they were a bit surprised to see a young woman walk in to negotiate about their big fleets of a thousand vehicles. Um, But once I actually got the bit between my teeth, it was challenging at first, but once I got the bit between my teeth, it was really great to be able to win the hearts and minds of these people Mm. and get them to, you know, respect me, to see me as a professional. Um, and, and, And I learned the skills of, you know, com- confidence, uh, resilience, and tenacity in that role. Um, I, and, and while I was there, I took on a stretch project, which was a marketing project. And um, I was rubbish. I was absolutely rubbish at it. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, luckily, I had some great agencies to help me, and I learned quickly. And while I was there, and I was doing this, um, the agency I was working with, Wonderman, um, asked me to join them. So that started a what was a 14-year career on the agency side where I <laughs> finally did learn my craft of marketing. Um, and I worked my way up. I, I took a, at that time, I took a pay cut um, and I had lost my company car and I restarted right at the bottom of the agency world. Um, and I, I, I joined Wonderman. I then went and worked at Ogilvy. I then went... Um, and during uh, Ogilvy, I got married and I had my two children. Um, and then I went to publicists. And whilst I was a publicist, they sent me to San Francisco to run publicist, well, launch and run publicist technology, which was a tech agency on the West Coast of America during the dot-com boom. Wow. So we, yeah, it was great fun. It was a great adventure. Imagine, time. Yeah, so I, I sort of took myself and my family my my children were small um two and four and my husband had been a copywriter up until then and he gave up work to support my job and to so we moved um halfway around around the world and for me growing up in the army that was no problem because you know hey ho this is just another move for my husband who had lived all his life in Guildford the move to London to get married and live with me was was one big move. And so moving him halfway around the world was um, quite a culture shock for him. And also he went through the process of giving up his identity as a, a working man mm. to be a stay-at-home dad. And that was quite, um, it wasn't very common in those days. So it was quite a big culture shock for him as well. But we had three great years living in the States. The children learnt, you know, American words like gas and burp and trash and things like that. And um, 
you know, it was great fun. We had a, a fab time there. I ran an agency that grew from about 20 people to 120 people. Um, really exciting time, fab place to be. And um, then after three years, I was supposed to stay there two years, but after three years, um, I realized that I, if I was going to educate my children in the UK, we needed to bring them home. So we came yeah. home. Um, and settled them into the UK, which was again, a culture shock for them. They went from high-fiving their teachers in the playground, wearing shorts and a t-shirt. So the full blazer, boater, tie, trauma of coming into an English education system. My daughter was dyslexic. We diagnosed her as having dyslexia at that time. And she struggled a lot with the schools and Thank goodness my husband was a stay-at-home dad because he retaught her to read. Um, that was a bit of a challenge. But um, so I joined a publicist back in the UK, stayed there for a couple of years. And then the big change in my career was moving from the agency side to the mm -hmm. client side. And I joined yeah. American Express. Um, and I was there for 14 years. It was 14 fantastic years. Um, I joined uh, as head of advertising for Europe um, and during the time that I was there I ended up as head of international brand marketing and communications and I went from looking after eight countries to 160 countries um, I spent a lot of time on a plane um, as I said I think to you before Ian I, I was blessed my husband was a stay-at-home dad and he really did um, the heavy lifting as it related to the kids and stuff um, and they are a credit to him um, so, yeah, that was a wild time. Got to travel around the world, learn about amazing cultures um, and really respect the fact that you can learn so much more if you have a worldview and that you talk to and listen to other yeah. points of view. And I'm certainly a better marketer as a result of that. Um, so I was there for 14 years. Um, they had a change during that time. Um, and I moved on then to I went back to the city um, and I joined Gallagher, which is an insurance um, broking company. And I set up their first marketing operation there, which was great fun. Um, it was interesting to be back in the city after being on a plane most of the time and working just in one time zone was was interesting. Um, and we set up the marketing function there. We also whilst I was there, we did. Um, the uh, Gallagher Premier Rugby sponsorship, and that was great fun. Wow. Yeah, I knew nothing about rugby. I don't know if you do. I do. Um, yeah. You do? You're a rugby, yeah. a rugby fan? A rugby fan, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I spent a lot of time having to learn about rugby because I knew <laughs> nothing about it. And speaking to people <laughs> like six foot seven um, was great. And, and you know, discovering the joy of that camaraderie and um, teamwork that's associated not only with rugby players, but the rugby community more broadly. Yes. yes. It's great fun. And we, whilst we were there, we set up Project Rugby, which was designed to help disadvantaged um, children learn and young people learn um, confidence through playing rugby and being around uh, rugby players. And I love the fact that rugby as a cultural um part of our communities really does a lot of good to help mm. shape young people's views and confidence 
So we did that and about 200,000 kids have um, benefited from Project Rugby over the last few years. Wow. And then I ended up and I moved um, to Mid-Counties Co-op. And that was for a number of reasons. Throughout my career, I've loved working on purpose projects. Project Rugby was just one of them, but I also launched the Red Card, which was part of the Red charity that Bono set up. And, and so working, having the opportunity to work in a purpose-driven organization was very appealing to me. I love the idea of membership. Amex is a membership organization, so I really believe in that sort of way of growing a business. Um, Mid-counties had a lot of things they were already doing well. So for a marketer, it was about, you know, how can I package and promote these things? How can I tell people how fab they are? And then the big thing was the opportunity to move to Warwick, um, which was a big cultural change at, at this stage oh, of my life. Yeah. And we joke, because my, my, my children are grown up now, that my husband and I had to leave the London to become empty nesters um, because the kids weren't leaving, so we had to leave. <laughs> so that brings me to where we are today. Does that wow. was that too long? Is that uh, okay? I mean, Alison, that that's so many things there. I mean, amazing when you think you describe taking that stretch project on and doing a terrible job in your words. And then, you know, could you have imagined at that point having this marketing career laid out in front of you, traveling the globe, being responsible for such amazing brands and building such incredible things and having that, this, this Project Rugby, um, you know, that legacy uh, beyond anything else. Could you, could you have imagined that? No, and that's why I think, Ian, when I started to talk to you about this, it, it was really opportunistic. Um, I think my view about my career is that I've been super fortunate and there have been amazing opportunities have presented themselves along the way. I think the only thing that I would credit myself with was being um, having a radar and listening and taking up the opportunity and mm. not being afraid to sort of maybe go sideways or down before going up. Yeah. So as I said, as I moved from overdrive where I was getting quite a lot of traction, I had a good salary, I had a company car. I then left that and went right back to the bottom on the agency side because I could really see the opportunity to move up through the agency world. And I did every job there from you know the account executive to CEO level. Um, so I wouldn't have foreseen it. But I'm a real optimist and I and I believe that, you know, when opportunities present themselves in, you can go two ways. You can either go for it or not go for it. And I yeah. think that's the only thing I would characterize myself as I'm, I'll go for it. Wow. I mean, just just some great things in there that any anybody starting off in their marketing career will will listen to and, and lap up, I think. But equally, anybody that isn't a planner hasn't got their career sort of mapped out in front of them will we'll listen to to what you've said there um and and interestingly a lot of our uh, leaders life stories haven't planned their career out in front of them they've they've said yes they've they've spotted things like like you've <clears throat> identified it's it's having that kind of being tuned into a good opportunity and being able to say yes having great support around you as well, um, which yes. has obviously been so important to you also. Um, but it's, it, it, it is really interesting how 
most people I've spoken with so far didn't have that plan and moved around and took some risks um, and certainly moved as far away from what they thought they were going to do. I mean, you know, you could have been a biologist and now here we are, um, you know, creating something new again at Mid-Counties. And I, and I think that's a really good observation. I think it's really important for us as we talk to our children and young people coming up through the workplace, because I think there's a lot of um, stress and intensity mm. um, and it goes through school, right? You know, that you've got to do this and you've got to do this and you've got to do this. But actually, at the end of the day, it's really about life giving you opportunities that come along and it doesn't matter where you start. It's more about what are you doing at the moment? Is it giving you joy? Do you feel you're growing as a person? Is it giving you the opportunities that you're looking for? And I would say probably, you know, the majority of people start in one place and they end up in another place, but you've got to have the, the history to be able to give you that perspective. Cause I know when I left university and I didn't have a job and I knew I didn't want to do um, biology, I was a bit perplexed as to what the hell I was going to do. Um, but, you know, let's have a go. Mm. Um, I've never done recruitment i have no idea what it is but you know let's go for it <laughs> and is and is that is that kind of like your life lesson is is to give things a go and to take a risk um yeah. and, and not worry about the plan necessarily yeah my actual life lesson is talk loudly and with conviction um because i think as i reflect over my career i've been put in situations where i haven't been perhaps trained for things or well prepared for situations mm -hmm. that have presented themselves along the way. Um, but I think when you're in the moment and if you believe in yourself and you commit to being the best you can be in that moment, then usually things work out okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and think, thinking about your day-to-day -day life, obviously it's changed dramatically over the years, moving around, um, do you, do you have a daily routine that you've stuck to throughout all that time? Or has it just changed um, as, as your roles have changed? Um, I think it's probably changed. I mean, the reality of, and we were talking about this before we went on air, the getting children out the door for school. Mm. Um, for a while, that was a very frantic daily routine, getting the household out. And I was often having to get on a plane and pack another bag and things like that. So my daily routine now is pretty chill, to be honest. Um, and I, I, I like to come into work early because I quite like that quiet time, just reflecting on what I'm going to do today and just sort of focusing a little bit without the noise. It's such a joy having um, the opportunity to work on one time zone. Um, so I know that I can finish my work at the end of the day and come back in the morning and there'll be very few overnight emails. Whereas when I was working in international role, there was always someone working somewhere in the world. So you'd always, you'd always come back to a whole stream of emails in the morning. So that's lovely. So I like my reflection time in the morning. Um, I, I, for a long time, I worked long hours in the office and I, gave myself the gift of not doing that anymore um, because I think it was hard when you're, when you're trying to work long hours. And um, so I usually leave at, at around five ish 
um, now. And my husband and I um, go and do a class together. So we'll do Pilates or yoga or something, mm -hmm. which is, again, a bit of a gift for ourselves to spend a bit of time together. Many years we were, were like ships in the night. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, you know, the other thing that I like to do is I like to binge watch stuff, movies, TV, whatever. Um, yeah, so my routine is not, it's it's not stayed the same. I think the only thing that stayed the same is I like to come in early and I like to have a, a good half an hour to an hour of thinking yeah. and just reflecting on what my day is going to be like. Nice. And, it, and as you say, it's that, that, that phrase of giving yourself the gift of yes. time um, and allowing yourself to walk out the door um, and not, not kind of suffering from people looking and and, and I, I also think there's a role uh, in leadership these days of not being the last one to leave and and it and with you walking out the door there's there's a there's a profile there of oh, yeah okay well not only is she saying hey guys <laughs> we don't have to be working 24 7 I've been there I've done that you know and, and it does impact your mental health in in, in lots That's of different right. ways um, but seeing you walk out the door, it, it, it's surprising the impact that makes as well, I think. I think that's very fair. And I think that, you know, I've I've taken my um, responsibility of being a role model very seriously throughout my career, being a, you know, a working woman, oftentimes in a man's world, being a working mum and being the primary breadwinner in my family gives you a responsibility to try and um, show other women in particular who are coming up through the ranks to show it can be done. And that mm. actually at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's hard, but you need to be kind to yourself and you need to um, do the best you can. Um, and so I do try and be a role model. And I think, you know, with the flexible working these days, you can be, you know, you can be anywhere to do a, a good job. You don't need to be at your desk at eight o'clock at night, for sure. No, I agree. And that's a great segue into uh, the next question on bias. So obviously you, you'd have been, and we haven't really got into it, but, you know, you'd have been struck with quite a lot of this, in, as you described, the sort of man's world jobs and walking into, as a 20-year-old as a woman, into a, a very male dominated environment, but not just that, but just older men that yeah. were clearly, they would have been struggling with their own insecurities of seeing this, you know, bright, energetic woman walking into the room. Uh, and obviously you loved overcoming that. Um, but do, do you think that we will overcome bias fully or do you think we will always have some sort of bias and we'll just, we'll just cope with it and be more aware of it? Mm. I think it would be utopia if we overcame all bias. Um, I think that in my lifetime, in my career lifetime, we have made some really good strides. You know, seeing so many more women in the workplace, seeing so many women now in senior positions is great and certainly not the case when I started out on my career. And I didn't have very many female role models. There just weren't many apart from when I worked on the recruitment side, which was a women's industry. And there were some just awesome women running that. And they, I think they started me off with what was possible. And so every time I was confronted with a bit of bias in my career, I was like, hey, hang on a minute. 
that's not true. That's not the way it should be. So um, I think I do have in the nicest way, if it's okay to say this, a bit of a bloody minded gene, um, which is when I am faced with tough situations like that, I do sort of dig in and like to prove people wrong, um, both for myself and for my team and other people coming up. So I think in terms of bias, as we're going forward, it's way better. And, you know, people are talking about things very differently. You know, we have at Mid-Counties, we have the Embrace group, which is all about celebrating diversity of race. We have a Pride group, which is all about um, celebrating Uh, diversity in gender and sexual orientation and I think having those conversations in the workplace go a long way to sorting out a lot of people's unconscious bias but you know and I mentor um, uh, a young lady from South Asia um, and what's interesting to me is when you come to the workforce you already have some of those unconscious bias um, both for yourself and about other people Mm. so you, you know People weren't invented the day they walked into work. They've got all their their childhood cultural backgrounds to bring to the table. So I think we will always be working on it. Mm. But um, I'm really happy. And before we started this podcast, we were talking about neurodiversity. Mm. I'm really happy that we're starting to explore that in the workplace. Um, Because, as I said, my daughter has dyslexia. Um, Having people that think differently... I think is very important in the workplace. And, you know, half of my career was on the agency side, which is a creative environment and new ideas and creativity come from diversity of thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And do you, do you, uh, do you wonder drawing, uh, you know, a very simple line between um, your, your early life and moving around and, and, and coping I'll use the word coping with all the change that you had to deal with and the environment that you were obviously with and not and I, and and obviously that your you know your, your father being in the military and that being very purpose led. Do you kind of draw a straight line between those those early learnings and nurturing of that and your career, which is obviously lots of change, um, very very purpose led also and being comfortable, challenging, and having lots of resilience? Um, I hadn't thought of it that way. You're very wise. Um, (laughs) But I do think, um, I do love change. If I was doing a job which was business as usual, I'd probably be quite disruptive because I would create change. Um, So I think, yeah, I think because I'm not, I think one of the problems with change as a concept is people are scared about what's on the other side of it. And my experience of change is it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. And if you just sort of dig in, it's going to be fine. Um, So I quite like that. I also have been blessed with working in an innovative part of the industry, technology, creativity, innovation, that sort of thing. And, And I know that you have to disrupt things to get to a better outcome. So again, that, That is, I quite celebrate that. Um, And then the purpose-driven thing, I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah, I've I've always believed, and I believe very strongly that business should have a purpose to it. Mm. And the purpose shouldn't just be making money for its shareholders. Um, 
so throughout my career, I've always tried to work to give back. So the launch of the red card while I was at Amex. I also sit on the corporate advisory board for Save the Children. I worked for a number of years um, on the corporate advisory board of Battersea Cats and Dogs Home. So I always tried to apply mm-hmm. what I know and my skills <clears throat> such as they are to the benefit of society in some way. Yeah. Um, and so having the joy of being able to do that in my day job is fab. Yeah, well, it sounds, and it's clear to me when you when you talk about it as well. Um, so, what what next then, Alison? Kind of as we finishing off the podcast. Um, do you, as as a person that hasn't planned your career to date, <laughs> is it just the next conversation you say yes to that that kind of plans out the sort of following years, or do you have other other thoughts in your head? Um, I want to leave a good legacy of whatever it is that I'm working on at the moment so the next few years I think are going to be really um being able to see where I've been at mid counties um and I really want um the cooperative movement to be seen as relevant and timely and people come to the cooperative movement because it's got that you know it's got a virtuous element about it the more people get engaged the more good gets done so I I I sort of feel quite passionately about that and I think that's a a bit of a marathon not a sprint because if it was easy someone would have done it by now um so that's that's going to fulfill me I think for the next few years the other things that are obviously going on in my life outside of work are my children I'm hoping they're going to be launched soon um which will be good um and, you know, to enjoy the bit more time with my husband, because, you know, we've been together for 30 years and um, we are now learning how to rub along in a house log, a household together with no children around. Yeah. Um, so we are rediscovering some of the reasons why we got together in the first place. And we're doing some things that we want to do. I think, mm-hmm. as you know, Ian, running a busy household with lots of kids, sometimes the parents need to go beyond underneath the cat you know yes. sort of lower down the pecking order <laughs> so it's nice to be able to do some of those things and to find the time to really enjoy the moment yeah absolutely wow um so as we've got we've got to the end of of the podcast today and i have to say we've crammed in an awful lot there um such 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 a lot of insight on today's podcast, loads and loads of experience, um, and and you just seem to have done so many um, things in your career to date. I know anybody listening to this, either at the beginning of their career or, or thinking about a career change, or, or or worried about, as you say, the what's my plan? Do I have a plan? How do I navigate through things? Listening to this podcast, I think they'll they'll be inspired. They'll take um they'll take your experience from it and 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 I'm sure there'll be lots of people that will take that risk after listening to you and seeing the wonderful career that that you've had thus far and I'm sure there'll be loads more that you'll be doing anyway but um I just want to thank you for for sharing and and making the time today and and getting involved and saying yes to taking this risk with us it was an absolute joy, Ian. Thank you for inviting me. And I, I hope 
that lots of people will feel reassured that perhaps if their path isn't clear, it will be okay. Yes, absolutely. Um, so as always, thank you for choosing to listen to What the Future. If you've enjoyed this episode, as I'm sure you would have, um, then please hit subscribe and tell others about us. And finally, we, we've talked quite a bit about mentoring today and, and role models, and that's a hugely valuable step on the leadership journey and something that at Future Leaders we believe strongly in. If you feel the same way, then please get involved. Tap the Join Us button on our webpage, which is www.futureleadersmentoring.com. And of course, follow us on LinkedIn and get involved in our conversations. So for now, goodbye, and we will speak again soon.